By the way, you're welcome to come and sit down. You don't have to be on display the whole time. All these dis- little details we do. Um, so yeah, it is great to have you out here today. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to open up to Luke chapter 10. We're going to land there in a few moments. Um, as we walk through kind of our, our Christmas theme this morning. And as we do so, I wanted you to just stop and think for a moment with me uh, to the best sunrise or sunset that you have ever seen or enjoyed, or maybe it's a few of them. Uh, I want you to kind of picture that in your mind, what uh, a, a good sunrise, sunset, uh, the beauty of it. And one thing about sunrise and a sunset is Unless you're there with somebody, it's really hard to, to describe it, isn't it? And it, pictures never do it justice, even as good as our cameras get. There's nothing like being there. Now imagine you're there with somebody. And maybe you're there with somebody, and that somebody is a meteorologist. And as the sun begins to move, uh, they say, well, you know what? At this moment, did you know that the, the sun isn't actually what you're seeing? It's uh, refracted in the Earth's horizon. And when the sun is, is low on the horizon at this degree and that degree of an angle during sunrise and sunset, did you know the sunlight, it, it travels through more of the atmosphere? That's why we get more colors. And there's different things in the atmosphere, and they begin to explain, today there's some smoke in the atmosphere, and there are different clouds, and that's why you're going to get this color and that color. And they begin to explain all of it to you. Or, think of somebody who's next to you, and they just turn to you, and they just look with you, and they just say, wow. And that's it. Who would you rather have next to you, I wonder, in that moment? Or maybe you have somebody in your life that you're so busy with things. Your mind is so preoccupied that they say, stop, look at the sky for a moment with me. Wow. Do you have people in your life that bring wow into your life? That uh, when they uh, come around you or you see them, you observe how they live, you're just inspired. You just look at them and you're like, wow. That's amazing. That's a quality I would define as winsomeness. Winsome. We said uh, that you want to, we're talking about contagious Christmas, and so we're talking about being winsome in a a hectic world. How can believers kind of rise above the hecticness, I think that's a word, and uh, become more childlike, pleasure, filled, delight. It's attractive. It's pleasing to others. They want to be around you. We all know winsome people that have that joy that draws you to them. Uh, You know, one of our Christmas movies we like to watch is that movie Elf. And he comes down, he doesn't know anything different because he came from the North Pole. If you haven't seen it yet, it's like 15 years old, so I'm not spoiling anything. Okay. Uh, He comes down from the North Pole and every he's like Christmas tree. Wow, it's a Christmas tree. Aren't you excited? It's Christmas. Eventually, the people around him begin to crest Christmas spirit. Some just think he's crazy for being so joyful, and they want to avoid him. They say he's a little strange. You see, we want to be a winsome people. And last week, we kind of dug into the, the fact that we don't always feel winsome. We don't always feel like having the Christmas spirit or passing it on. And uh, we came up with this statement from Ecclesiastes Nothing will bring us complete satisfaction apart from God. 
Right? None of the gifts. You can't buy anybody anything that will bring them complete satisfaction this Christmas. But nothing should bring us to complete despair when we are God's. And even though we walk through the emotions and the struggle of trials, God is there. Even when we look and see injustice, God is there. And so uh, I'd encourage you, if you didn't listen to that and you need to be encouraged, listen to that message because um, Solomon gives us some great teaching about we come into a place of awe and fear of God and then we obey God and we do good things and then he says, it's okay to enjoy. It's okay to enjoy things in life. And the challenge we have before us in being winsome is are we a people that chooses to do good things? chooses to serve others and are we going to discover the blessing of serving others and I wonder I think sometimes we're more like that meteorologist Um, we describe God's love really well and we like to tell all the details especially western culture we love to describe it and say the theology behind it but when is the last time people around us just felt and experienced the fact that we're just like I love Jesus or you just had this joy, and they're like, why are you so happy? Because Jesus came to earth. That's it. No other details you need to give. When is the last time that spilled over to those around you? Or maybe you can think of somebody who did that for you. Um, was contagious. You wanted to be like them, or you just, they brought joy into your life. And you see, contagious Christmas, this idea, it's about generosity, and yet when I talk about generosity, often our minds immediately jump to the bell ringing as we leave the store, and, and if you're like me, you can't give every time you hear the bell, because you're going in and out of stores, and I don't know, do you make contact and say hi, or do you just walk with your head down to get by them, or maybe you're the bell ringer, we've done that with our youth group at times, uh, ringing the bell, and you're just wondering, you know, if people are getting it or giving them a Merry Christmas. And yet, just as Christmas is more about gifts, generosity, as we're going to see over the next few weeks, it's more more than just money. It's about a God who would come down from heaven to be amongst us. And one of the pictures we see of that is painted for us here in the parable of Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. And so I'm going to read that to you, and then we're going to just talk through it this morning. Then I've got a really a special treat for you in, in how God is applying this in our church life. So as we look at this, starting in verse 25, um, we have a lawyer who stood up to put him to the test. Now, a lawyer, is, he is an expert in the law of religion. He's a scribe. He knows he's the one who's supposed to help them apply all the Old Testament teachings and follow all the traditions that the Pharisees had added on to it. So he's an expert in the law of the Lord. And so he says, uh, teacher, what shall I do to inherit life? He, Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Well, he responded, he said, but he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him, departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. 
So likewise, a Levite went and came to the place, and he saw him, and he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Take care of him, and, what, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The lawyer said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. So here we have a guy, much like that meteorologist, who wanted all the details. He wanted all the details on how to get into heaven. He was seeking to justify himself. In other words, he was seeking to have Jesus say, heaven's been waiting for you. We're so lucky to have somebody like you. We're so lucky that you get to come and be amongst us. You more than deserve, more than anyone else. You're first in line. Here's your, here's your red carpet ticket to heaven. And he was seeking to make himself look good because he was the expert in the law. He knew the details behind it. And yet as Jesus tells this story, he leaves the audience with a wow moment and they are in shock by the story that he has told. And he finishes with four simple words, really, go and do likewise. That's Jesus' final word on the matter. Go and put your theory into reality. Quit talking about it. Do it. And it's kind of like a church. We have core values in the church. We have things that we believe and that we uh, walk through as a church. And yet, unless you really do it, it's, even with a company, it's just stuff on paper, right? So when we started the church, I, I was like, man, contagious generosity. But now it's like, man, that word generosity, it just has some baggage with it. I was like, then we, we moved it to open-handed love. You see, when, when we are uh, moving through life and, and really moving towards um, loving others as our neighbor, in many different ways, our hands are open to what God has for us. Whereas if we're walking by them, they can be closed. And so this is really a, a picture we want to have, is how God and Jesus is describing this being a neighbor. Um, love is wonderful to talk about. But it's always the gospel message that saves lives. And yet our love and our deeds often are used by the Holy Spirit to tear down the highest and hardest of walls and hardest of hearts. And so as we walk into this and we see this, there are two people who walked by and they were closed-fisted, not open-handed. And really, they were the ones you would expect to respond they were the religious ones, the leaders. And they were coming from Jerusalem. They were coming from worship. The priest may have had his duties up there. A Levite is one who serves the priest. And so it would be like us leaving church one day. Leaving our place of worship and then walking around the person in need. They were the ones who recited the answer day after day. They would say it. The Shema. The, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. They had all the head knowledge. Now, this guy was half dead, and so maybe they didn't want to get defiled. We're not given a reason. We're just told that they didn't show mercy and that they passed him by. But the truth is, I think we all 
know the feeling of passing someone by in need. I've done it. Whether it's in your car, driving, keeping your head down, or whether it's a situation where you really could help out in a small way, or somebody's just struggling and you felt the urge that you should say something or offer to pray for them, but you just kind of keep on going. And in those moments, I can just feel it. My heart just tenses up and my hands close and I keep moving by. (laughs) The problem is the more I do that, the more comfortable I get with doing that. And God has to repry my uh, hands open uh, towards his work. So I'm wondering this morning if there are some barriers in your heart, maybe. We're going to be peeling at those this month. Some barriers that cause you to close your fist. You see, Jesus here is going to get right in the heart of it. Um, He's going to get in the middle of it and step into some pretty powerful barriers that they are facing. You see, we can convince ourselves, I don't have enough to be generous. Things are tight. Um, I'll be generous later. When I reach this and this point, then I'll be a generous person. Um, I can't make a difference is another lie we believe. I don't have the time. And perhaps, as Jesus reveals to this crowd, there's some deep-seated beliefs in our heart that we've either inherited or we believe about other people that get in the way of us being generous. You see, if you know the story, some of you might, of who Samaritans are. See, to have a Samaritan as a hero of this story is shocking because Samaritans are half-breeds, half-Jew, half-Gentile. They're in this region. Their, their religion is kind of a mixture. It's all confused. And they were treated poorly and viewed poorly by the Jews. In fact, Jews would go all the way around Samaria, take a longer trip just to avoid contact and interaction with them. And so when Jesus said, this is the one who stops and shows mercy, that's a moment where they're like, wow. We should have been the ones. Then Jesus closes kind of with the redundant question, it's obvious. Now kids, which one of these proved to be the good neighbor? And I can just kind of see the scribe there, the, the lawyer going... The one who showed mercy. (laughs) He didn't even say the Samaritan. He's like the one who showed mercy. And so Jesus said, go and do likewise. And I can imagine he just kind of quietly walked off, seeking to find his own praise. He was humbled in the midst of this story. You see, I chose this parable to kind of kick us off into this view of generosity because it has a wide view of generosity. There's a lot going on in here that happens. And as we look at this and kind of peel it apart, I was listening to a podcast interview uh, this summer. And this man was saying, um, talking about generosity, and he's saying, yeah, my son who's 16, shout out to Caden who turned 16 this week, the job. Um, he was 16, he wrote a book with his dad. And it was on generosity. And uh, here's what that son said as he observed his parents and grandparents and how they lived. He says, living generously isn't about waiting around for an opportunity and then responding to it. It's about looking for opportunities to be generous as you go about your daily life. He then observed, his name's Drew, he observed seven forms of generosity he had seen in his parents and grandparents as he's grown up. 
So the gospel calls us to be generous with our thoughts, words, money, our time, influence, possessions, and attention. All of those things God has blessed us with that we can use to make a difference and be winsome and impact another life. Can you see these embedded within our story? The other two didn't have time, didn't take the time. When you don't take the time, it doesn't happen. But before you even take the time, where does it begin? It begins in your heart. The text says the Samaritan was moved by compassion. So often Jesus was going along the way. He had something in his path, in his schedule, and the text will tell us, and Jesus was moved with pity. Jesus was moved by compassion, and he stopped, and he turned, and he talked to him, or he healed him, or he spent more time there. If we don't have a compassion in our heart, if we don't understand truly what it is to love the Lord and to love others, we're never going to get to these other parts, are we? And so it begins with our mindset. And so he did that, but then he turned his complete attention to him. He gave of his own possessions, the oil and the wine and the donkey. He takes him to the inn. They don't have an care. They don't have an emergency room. So he takes him to an inn and begins to care for him overnight, watches over him, brings him back to a point of stability, I suppose, and then is ready to move on. But he doesn't just move on. He covers the cost, and then two denarii is about, you know, anywhere like two to three weeks worth of care for this guy. It's, and so he gives that, but then he also gives of his influence, doesn't he? He says, I will return and pay for this guy. Anything that goes above and beyond, I'm going to cover it. That's his reputation on the line. He gives his word and his influence so that this man may be taken care of. Now, the point in this story is crystal clear that Jesus is making. Uh, He's saying followers of Jesus are to be open-handed in every situation, open-handed to everyone. There's no border to love. There's no point when you can say, I've loved enough, especially whenever we're in light of the cross. There's no point where we can say, I'm completely good to get into heaven. No, it's I love this to be continual and ongoing in our life. And there's no boundary for it. And we're, we're not permitted to choose who, we were, who we're going to love. We can't say, I'll love you and not you for this reason or that. And so, as we look at this, it, it also says, you're to show mercy on those who God puts in your path and gives you the opportunity. And so it can't be about the color of skin or the political party or the economic status. It's got to go beyond that. No human can be a non-neighbor. Now, I haven't had the chance to go see it. I'd like to see it. Tom Hanks playing Mr. Rogers, right? Won't you be my neighbor is a famous thing. So I looked up some Fred Rogers quotes. He says, we live in a world in which we need to share responsibility. It's easy to say, it's not my child, not my community, not my world, not my problem. Then there are those who see a need and respond. I consider those people my heroes. He says there are three ways to success. He said the first way is to be kind. Second way is to be kind. And the third way is to be kind. He says try your best to make goodness attractive, winsome. That's one of the toughest assignments you're ever going to be given. You see, Jesus himself didn't just preach this 
and tell a story. He's the same one that walked through Samaria, offered a cup of water by a Samaritan woman and talked with her with dignity. With grace, he responded to her, and yet he spoke truth into her life. So a whole village came out to see him because of his ministry there to the Samaritans. Those he wasn't even supposed to be talking to, he lived this out. And he lived it out daily, going up to people who were uh, untouchable, who uh, healing of lepers. Jesus is the one who we can see. And we have that now, we have that rear view picture of this parable, right? We've got the whole picture. So we can look at it, and, and while this wasn't Jesus' point, we can look at it and say, ultimately, Jesus is the only good Samaritan. You see, that, that road going from uh, Jerusalem to Jericho is a winding road, a lot of switchbacks, and a lot of crime happens on it. Well, Jesus descended from heaven down to earth. Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves, half dead, all the way dead, separated from him. And now he's left us kind of like the innkeeper with the mission. He's placed us in this moment of time with this group of people at this school, in this neighborhood, in in your neighborhood, in your workplaces, in your schools, with the opportunity to show the love of Christ to others. To live in a way that looks at the sunrise and looks at the sun who rose and says, wow. Well, I've had the, uh, the privilege here of being the contact here uh, quite often at Remington Elementary, having ironically taught here <laughs> um, 16 years ago. And sometimes you just meet somebody and you say, wow, God is using them. They love Jesus. And so I want to introduce you this morning um, uh, to a gal that I've only just recently met, Miss Sadie. And Sadie Russell, um, come on up. And uh, Sadie is uh, in the community relations director here. And uh, with, uh, is it Title One? Title One. Yeah, I always say Title Nine because I'm a sports guy. <laughs> but um, here we go. Uh, yeah, with Title One, this position became created once you get a certain percentage of free and reduced lunch. And so she's pretty new to this position, but I'll let her introduce herself and this kind of the role and uh, maybe tell us how God brought you into this school community. Yeah, I think. I think that's on. Yeah, try again. There you go. Can you hear me? Yep, you're good. I don't think you really need to. Can you hear me without it? Yeah. Okay. Um, I am Sadie Russell, and I am, like Kevin said, I am new here. I have been, we moved to Colorado Springs maybe two, a little over two years ago in August. Um, my husband's job, we were at, he was a head coach at George Mason University out in Virginia, and now he has a job with uh, USA Wrestling here, so he's one of the Olympic coaches, so we're gearing up for the Olympics next July. Um, but for me, as a stay-at-home mom with my little guy, um, I've always wondered what I'm supposed to do, and I always pray and say, God, use my um, gifts that you've given me to help others. And so that's, that's part of who I am and how I operate um, daily. And um, where my husband can just flip a coin, as yes, hails no, with his faith, because he believes if it lands on hails and it's it's yes, then we're going to go that route. Me, I can't always flip a coin um, and do it. Um, But when I came here, I was asking what can I do, and then I started volunteering in my son's classroom. And so I've been a volunteer for uh, for two years, and then last year. And then one of my friends was going to go out, and her mother was ill, and so I knew her mother was going to die. So I became a substitute so I can help fill that gap 
with her kiddos that I've been in the classroom with since I started subbing. And then uh, the principal here, uh, Ms. Fillow, started asking me uh, this summer, because I'm always here, even in the summer on breaks, you can always find me here in the school helping out the teachers. Um, she's like, I need you to take this position as community liaison. It's a new position. She uh, started last year. This is her second year. We really need you. And I, said, I kept saying no. No, no, no. And then she kept saying, well, Sadie, you say yes to everybody else in the school, but how can you keep telling me no? And I was like, I just don't feel like I have the message and direction from God. And I don't want to do anything that hinders my path. And so I kept saying no, no, no. And mean, all the while I was praying, and uh, I kept asking to hear um, just a, a sign that I'm supposed to be doing, doing this position, or if I am, if I'm not. Somebody was hired for this position. She accepted it. I was like, oh, it's not meant to be. I'm going to stay as a sub. And that God hasn't told me to move. So then, all of a sudden, I hear from the principal that she didn't take the position. Her day, the first day that she was supposed to sign up, I was like, oh. And now here it comes again. She's talked to my son about coming for me to take this position. She's calling my husband now and pulling him aside and saying, we really want your wife in this position. And then I said, God, I said, this is three months of this. I said, I really need to know. But you know, God doesn't move when you want him to. He moves when the time is right. And so I said, I was sitting at home one night, Saturday night, and I was thinking a song, um, God, I Look to You. And that song came over, and I was just thinking about it and thinking about it, and I listened to it maybe for an hour straight, over and over again on repeat. And I said, if I'm supposed to take this position as a community liaison, give me a message. I said, I need to hear this song tomorrow in worship. Well, my little guy was at home, and as little guys do, he wakes up, and he doesn't always want to get up and go to the 8 o'clock service. Um, so he's like, oh, I'm hungry, Mom. Make me I missed 8 o'clock service. I was like, okay, well, we can go to a different church. We missed that entirely. And I said, okay, well, let me just live stream to the church that we used to go to. I tuned it in. Two songs play. I'm like, oh, new songs. I guess they're learning some new things. And the third and final song right before the pastor came out was God, I Look to You. So my song came on that I wanted to hear as a message. And I just think that in that song, God, I Look to You, um, I Won't Be Overwhelmed. Give me the vision to see things like God, I look to you, give me the wisdom to know just what to do. And when that came on, I was like, oh, I'm supposed to take this position. I don't know why I miss being in the classroom with kiddos, but God placed me here. So who am I to say, nah, I can't. I really have to follow this course. And in doing that, I'm here, and now working with uh, Lisa, our principal, in a completely different way, and working with the parents and the community, I think I know why I'm supposed to be here. That's because... I'm supposed to help, and I'm supposed to listen. Um, we have a lot of people here in the ministry uh, that you wouldn't necessarily know because you don't really go into their homes. Well, I have the privilege of going into homes, not always under the best circumstances, but I have to go into people's homes to kind of help and see what I can do to kind of make things right. Um, but I'm here to help them, and I just know that that's the way that God is going to use me, and I have a gift of gab, and I can talk to anybody and make friends with anybody. And I think I'm supposed to kind of start building um, some, some, of those, um, some of those areas that have kind of declined where people are ashamed of the situation that they're in. Um, if it's a domestic issue and they're kind of hiding and moving away from their husbands or their spouse, um, if it's they don't want to tell anybody that they're homeless and finding out that they're homeless, I'm here to try to help them get the needs that they, um, that they need to just kind of keep their kiddos in school and kind of flourish. And that's, that's kind of me in a, in a nutshell.
Yeah, that's that's exciting, and it's neat to see and hear the stories of the people that we're ministering to, whether it's in bringing the lunches or uh, the community serve day. But even within that, you found some opportunities to uh, just bless the kids. What are some ways when we think about kids or community, just some maybe unseen things that make more of an impact than you realize, like reading with the kids or encouraging them? Uh, it may seem like a small act of generosity, but they go a long way. Um, it's the time. It's giving that one kiddo the time. Like I said, you don't know what happens when they leave these walls. Um, and you don't necess- know if they necessarily have that accountability. Here at Remington, we're all about numbers and seeing the growth in our kiddos. And we want to see them actually come in and actually, if they're at, not at grade level when they start, we want them at grade level when they finish. So it's just... When I was in, when my son was in first grade, there was a little girl who could maybe read two to three words a minute in 60 seconds, can only identify two to three words. And I came in as a volunteer, and I sat there with her twice a week, going over her sight words and helping her read and read the passages. By summer, she was up to 50 words a minute, and it was just me holding her accountable, because I don't know if she had that at home, to where like she never wanted to come and take her tasks or sit with me because she's going to be happy. But then, I mean, you're having kids fighting to see who gets to go first to come out and read with me and talk with me. So it's just, you see that because I'm holding them accountable, I'm giving them that positive uh, feedback that they might need, um, and just that attention to try and do better and encouraging them better, that they actually got it, went on to summer school to help continue on with their reading, and they retained everything when they came back in the second grade. They were still right at grade level. They didn't fall backwards. It's just nice to see that just these little guys. And so it's just, what, five minutes twice a week, so ten minutes a week with people makes a huge difference. And that, going into third grade, she's better equipped now than if I probably wouldn't have met her and some of the other And with being a good Samaritan, it's often very contagious. And so you see somebody do it, and then it starts to get into your own life. Now, I didn't prompt you on this one, but I don't know if you're comfortable. You can just say no. But uh, just the story of your son beginning to notice things and how to serve others. As in our nightly prayers, it's like we always ask God to give us a bigger heart and help us find to those not always um, And my little guy was actually sitting there noticing uh, some of his classmates in the classroom or in the cafeteria not really having that lunch. Um, but it might be a like one slice of pizza when everybody else is bringing a whole lunchbox of goodies um, or snacks, not not even asking for snacks, not even today. So he noticed, and he's like, well, we have to do something. So because he's asking me to do something about it, he wanted to do something about it, we started just bringing in snacks to the teachers and for just putting it in there so that one guy could actually have something to eat. And we don't know what his home life is like, but right now we know that he's, he's, he's having a couple snacks a day, and then we're looking at monitoring him for lunch. So we're just, he wanted to do it, he saw that it was a problem, but he didn't think that that was So we are now, uh, he doesn't, uh, he knows where the, it's coming from because I pulled the little kiddo aside and I asked him, I come and broke his little snack. Uh, he knows and he has it. And as my son passed and say, when he first reached into his desk and he had snacks like the rest of the classroom, he had the biggest smile on his Wow, someone really blessed me. I made his day, and he, 
And uh, I got to talk with Sadie and got connected with her just before Thanksgiving. They called and said, we know you just helped with that Veterans Day thing, but we got a family that needs a Thanksgiving meal. And I'm like, oh, man, Sunday is coming up pretty quick. And so uh, just because of your generosity, we were able to say, hey, let's just give them some grocery gift cards as much as we can at this time. And um, then now we have this opportunity. And so our project this month, our, our blessing this month is going to be coming around a family and uh, giving them a Christmas that they can't afford. And so um, Sadie's going to explain to you just as much as she can. We're allowed to share about the family, but the single mom, uh, five kids, five kids. And we're going to have little ornaments you can take that will sign you up to get an item for them. And so we have an opportunity to actually be a good neighbor. And the school trusted us enough and and came to us and said, will you take on this privilege? And we said, amen, we will. So, um, yeah, why don't you go ahead and just kind of describe how we're going to do that. Well, this family is right in our neighborhood. I mean, literally, you can throw a stone and you can hit their doorstep. Um, It's a mom whose husband is incarcerated. He's been there for several years, and the oldest kids kind of um, hold it against the mom for him being there. Um, and he's supposed to be getting out within the next year, so I don't know what that's going to bring to the family. But right now we have between nine years old and a middle school age, and it's a single mom living, and sometimes her sister's there too with her kids just to try and help make ends meet so they can keep food on the table. But it's very, very slim pickings for them. Um, Three of the kiddos go here to Remington Elementary, but they just don't have a means. And I know when we just finished our food drive with um, uh, uh, them, it's the Harvest of Love, so we just finished that. Over a 1,000 pounds of food was collected here for our students. Um, we were able to take some of that, keep some of that back, and we stocked their pantry in their home. And we did that, and then, yes, through the gift cards, we were able to get them a meal, too, as well, and take that to them. Um, and we also took care of another family families as well um, on our own and just the sheer amount of gratitude the the tears of joy knowing that they were going to be able to eat over that week break and over thanksgiving was just um was so heartwarming to me because it's just something little that we were able to do to give it food by food and we don't think about it because we have the means of just going grocery shopping when you have to decide on groceries or having heat, it kind of sometimes goes both ways. Like maybe one month you have groceries, the next month you won't. And so this family is, we've talked to them, and they come into the school quite often asking for help. And if you can, I have a little basket that has little ornaments that I wrote on it um, that has like different, that are just like different things. And it has like on here like this one, there's a girl who's four, she wants clothes for her Barbie. She's a size five in clothes, and she likes uh, like doll books, like little dolls. So if you can, and if God lays it on your heart to kind of help out, then please grab one. If not, then the rest of the school, we will um, come together as a staff and try and make sure that they have a Christmas, that they have something underneath their tree and something on their table as well. Yeah, just great. And you guys, you guys blessed us at Veterans Day with side dishes, so thank you, and Thanksgiving was just amazing. And these are just two two or three families in the neighborhood, but there's so many. Like yesterday, I was at Operation School Bell um, collecting clothes for some of our 
was getting stuff for them um, that I'm going to be giving out to those families, those parents, this week or next week. They have so it's like I'm always constantly doing something to kind of help the community because there is a definite need here, and a lot of our families don't want to have to a little shy. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I know that, um, and I've got to introduce you to Raquel too, because she's our point person that does all of those wonderful things for staff and for that. And, um, but we'll have these available. I'll have her leave them with us while I'm available this week and next and, uh, collect everything on the 22nd and then I'll make sure it gets to the family. And if you can bring it before the 22nd, that helps as well. Um, so let's pray over this as our uh, team comes back up to lead us and close us in worship this morning. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just thank you uh, for Sadie's heart to follow you and for the eyes you've given her of compassion to see a need and uh, just the spiritual gifts you've given her to be able to put people at ease. That's one of the things that's often the hardest is receiving others' generosity. And so I pray that you'd use her in this position. Thank you for uh, Lisa, the principal, and her wisdom and, and her uh, ability to bring people into right roles. And uh, we just pray over the school, Lord, for the families in need and just for the community that um, we could see people reached for you, Lord. Whether they ever walk through the threshold of this Sunday morning, may we be a blessing to where you have placed us. And Lord, I pray for this family. You'd meet their needs, that even somehow in the midst of that dark prison cell, you would meet that father and bring him to you, that he may know you and come to Christ and truly be transformed from the inside out. So Lord, we pray protection over Sadie as you do this kind of ministry. It is often under attack, so protect her, protect her husband who's in Russia, bring him back safely, and help this young man to grow up with a heart for you and for others. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand with us as we uh, sing, and uh, you can get those right after the service.